Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Bring, bring it fast. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host Kevin DeVries and as always if you'd like to reach us at the podcast you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hello I'm Dan from West Bromwich Albion, um, well formerly West Bromwich Albion fan site baggiesfacts.com. I now just run a Twitter account under the same name um, and I'm of course a, a big Baggies fan. Hi I'm Sean Whetstone, I'm a really happy hammer. Uh, third in the league, briefly second in the league, only yesterday. Um, I What do I do? I uh, I write for a couple of blogs, West Ham Till I Die and uh, Clarence Hugh. I'm also on uh, a podcast called More Than Just a Podcast, as in Bobby Moore, M-O-O-R-E. Um, and I've got a Twitter account uh, called at West Ham Football. Cheers. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. We'll start with you, Dan. Obviously, another nice win for Albion, two on the trot. How are you feeling about your club at the moment? Overall, um, I'm very pleased. Um, but if you'd have asked me the, question, the same question a couple of weeks back before back-to-back victories, I might have given you a slightly different answer. Um I think the, the the feeling before these these last two wins, we beat Sunderland at home and then we've just beaten Norwich City away, was that people were starting to get a bit fed up with Tony Pulis. The tide was turning a bit more slightly towards the not so happy with the negative football, not exploiting teams at the back, not hitting people on the break like we should be and literally just sitting back for the whole game. Um, I don't think that was the case and I don't think it is the case. I think it's a case of... When you do set up defensively um, and you're trying to hit teams on the counter-attack, if you have a bad game and you aren't able to hit teams on the counter, counter-attack, you've not really got much going forward at all. Um, and I just think it is the case of us not having the best of games. Um, against Everton, we threw it away. If we'd have won that game, we'd be up in like seventh place at the minute. So it's not all doom and gloom. And, and there are positives to be taken from the fact that Tony Pulis is our manager. And going forward, I'm hoping that he's going to prove a few people wrong and we're going to be able to see us hitting teams on the break. And I think the key to, to our last two victories, um, firstly against Sunderland and secondly against Norwich City, is the fact that Stefan Sessegnon started both games. Um, he's been He's been dropped in the past due to many questioning his ability to track back and, and do the defensive side of things. Um, but if if you were to see his performance against Sunderland and again against Norwich, um, he did exactly that and he worked just as hard at the back as he did for us going forward and that's what we need to see from him. Um, so the, the myth that people 
you know, that, that he's not starting due to his, his lack of uh, tracking back abilities. As the, you know, that, that, that's been completely thrown out the window. And hopefully we'll see Sessegnon starting week in, week out. Because for a club like ours, we need to utilise those kinds of players in the right kinds of areas to score goals. Because we, we do set up with four very defensive-minded players at the back. And we do struggle sometimes going forward um, in terms of, you know, we've got Jakob and Fletcher sitting. And they aren't often the, the the best kind of players to have when you want to hit teams on the counter. So, you know, I'm I'm happy and and I'm pleased we've got two two back to back victories, especially the win at Norwich. Who who, you know, although they're down there, they are showing that they have got the ability to be able to cope in this league. And Alex Neal's clearly a very, you know, he's clearly a very clued up manager. And I think Norwich will probably end up staying up this season. So. To go to Norwich City, keep keep another clean clean sheet, which is our sixth in the league, which is um, I think it's equal highest in the league along with Manchester City, and maybe Man United as well, um, who are also on six. So that's no mean feat really, and and you only get that through being defensively organised. Yes, we're not playing the beautiful football many fans want us to see, um, want to see West Bromwich Albion playing, but you know the the you can't have it both ways, and and if you look at Aston Villa now, and, we, and I know we're going to talk about them shortly, um, they're really, really struggling, and they've tried to play football, and they just haven't got the players to do it. So you know it could be a lot worse. We, we're on fourteen points um, after ten games. It's, it's you know we're mid table, and things are just fine really. So um, maybe further down the line, as we go forward in maybe a year or two. If people are still completely unhappy with with what Pulis is doing, then we might need a change then at some point. But in terms of our immediate future, I think Pulis is still the man, of course. Yeah, obviously you mentioned you you wanted to maybe play a little bit quicker, uh, probably <laughs> involving Sado Berahino in that. Had scored in a couple matches straight there. No such luck in this one. Out of Rondon or Berahino, who do you think is the best striker at your club right now? Unquestionably, Saido Berahino is going to go on to big, big things. I've talked about Berahino way too much on this podcast. We all know he's the negative influence <laughs> on the team, and we all know that, you know, as as long as he's as long as he's scoring goals and doing what's what's right for the baggies and keeping himself out the headlines, I'm happy for him to stay at the club for now. I do realise that come January, that's not going to be the case. He may well throw a strop because he wants to move again. The, the the only solution is eventually to get rid of the bloke and and you know move him on, um and but he will but you know that being said he will score goals at the highest level for a team. I'd I'd love to see him go to a a big club, um and and do a business and get into the England side and I think he's got the ability to play for a Man United or a Manchester City, um he's he's finishing ability he's second to none, um at this level um so yeah I think Berahino is a better player. Rondon is a different kind of player. Um, if if you look if you look at his goals that he scored so far, he scored twice, both headers, both out muscled the defender, um, and he he does do that quite well. He he's he, he's a bit hit and miss. He's not had the best of games at times. There's been there's been times where he's been a bit of a pedestrian, but of course that's probably due to the fact that we've not got the ball forward to him quick enough. So if we can bring him into play and use him, then. He he will score goals for us, and his his pedigree, having come from Zenit St Petersburg, 
Um, and he's scored like pretty much one every two games for the clubs he's played for before. Um, I don't see that changing too much. It's, it is probably going to be more of a struggle for him in his first season in the Premier League, playing for a team like ours. But I can see him scoring 10 goals once the season's out. All right, thanks. And now on to Sean. I, I, I know it's a rough time for West Ham. right? Who, what am I talking about? You're in third place right now. Another huge win this time against title holders Chelsea, although they certainly don't look like that this season. Uh, what's your impression of how West Ham have been performing lately? Where do I start, Kev? Where do I start? I mean, it's unbelievable. As West Ham fans, we're a miserable brunch. We've had to pinch ourselves. We're just not used to this success. And it's amazing. You know, maybe we felt like our fathers did in the 60s when, when we had this, you know, when, when West Ham won the World Cup for England and, and we had all these great players because it, it just feels uncomfortable and, and, and slightly strange to be winning games. Um, a great stat someone told me yesterday was uh, beyond Leicester City, West Ham have beaten the top six, you know, uh, and that just sounds wrong in so many ways. You know, if you were saying this last season, how are Leicester City in the top six? How are West Ham in the top six? Um, but everything seems to be going right. And what a change a year makes. Not on point. So just before this game against Chelsea, West Ham, there was only one point difference. If you remember, we had a great run last season and, and I think we were fourth, briefly third um, on the run up to Christmas, on Christmas Day or Boxing Day. or Yeah, Christmas Day, we, we were fourth place. And then it started to go wrong for us. Now, Sam Allardyce is a completely different manager. We won't get into the whole Sam Allardyce thing, although to name drop, I did we bump might into in a him. <laughs> Sorry? We might in a second because I, I bumped into <laughs> him on Thursday and I'll tell that story a bit later. But Slaven Bilic is amazing. He's so passionate. The, the fans love him. The players love him. The board loves him. And he's just got it right. And he's a very modest man. You know, some of this has surprised him. You know, what a first season. We hadn't beaten Arsenal, um, Arsenal for 10 years. I mean, we beat them. We're the first team to beat the Emirates, but we hadn't beaten them again. We we do that in the first day of season. We hadn't won in, in uh, against Liverpool in 52, 53 years. We beat them at Anfield. You know, we, we then beat the champion, the previous champions, Man City, at the Etihad. I, I don't think we've ever done that. Well, certainly not in the league. Uh, and to crown it off now, we we beat Chelsea. We haven't beaten Chelsea for a long, long time. You know, the, the champions. And, uh, you know, we could call ourselves the giant killers, although I do consider ourselves one of the giants now because we've been consistently in the top four for quite a lot of this season. So I think we can be considered a giant. So we can't be a giant killer anymore. This is this is just, you know. <laughs> it's giant <laughs> we are, we on are, giant violence. We are part of the, the royalty of the top six. But But seriously, you know, we know... The season's a long season. We're only just over a quarter way through it. Um, but I do believe a little bit that we can achieve top six if we keep injury-free. And I was talking to the chairman just last week, David Gold, and asking him, and he truly believes that. He said as a fan and as as a director that we can achieve top six if we can keep injury-free. And, and the one thing I'm going to... I'll talk a little bit about the Chelsea game, if you indulge me. You know, as we enter that at Chelsea game, we were missing a lot of our top players. How many teams can say um, that they were missing their two first call centre-backs? So, uh, you know, Ogbonna and, and Winston Reid, 
are our two first centre backs. Both of those were missing, uh, and and James Collins is looking like a, a <laughs> quite a good centre back, despite a lot, of, despite a lot of people writing him off. Uh, uh, and James Tompkins is also having a, a great game. We were missing um, Victor Moses because obviously he couldn't play against his parent club, and we, we're still waiting for Alex Song to come back. You know, you could say, although he scored the winning goal, um, you know, Andy Carroll's not fully fit. And uh, Enna Valencia was sitting on the bench, a world-class striker as well, sitting on the bench. We've got depth in this squad, etc. And the way we took them to task, I know we got the early goal, and that makes a world of difference. I know they went down to 10 men, but they were badly disciplined. You know, they had, what, four, five sendings, uh, not sendings off, five uh, bookings. You know, they had a red card, quite rightly so, you know, goal line technology proved it's worth its salt by making the right call. You know, their goal was offside and that shows it. So Josie had nothing to, to moan about. And it was quite right that you know the goalkeeping coach was, was sent off. And I don't know if you know the details behind why uh, Jose was sent to the stands. And I'm sure you've seen the pictures. But he was invited in at halftime by the referee. And he went off of the referee and the referee just went, right, that's it. I'm sending you to the stands. So what a great day, you know, and, and the much maligned Andy Carroll coming in to do what he does brilliantly, which is coming into space and knocking them in with his head. I think over 50, 60 percent of his goals are scored with his head and, and who, you know, no one would begrudge him the winning goal and, and, and what a great celebration. So, yeah, we are celebrating uh, all yesterday, all today, winding up baiting Chelsea fans. And you can imagine walking into work Monday morning for a West Ham fan will be an enjoyable experience, let me tell you now. So, so Sean, is, would you say that your ambition is to get into Europe this season? Okay, um... I, I, think, I, I don't think we've got an ambition. Talking to the chairman and talking to other people, do you know what? We haven't even got a target. Our target is one thing and one thing only. And that is to stay in the Premier League in the year before and, and have a good send-off for the bowling ground because it's our last season in bowling ground. There's, I get that, but do you, do, you, do you not feel that, that you know, setting your sights at Europe, thanks to your start, it would probably be seen as progress after yeah. last season? Yeah, so, I mean, so then I don't understand why, or as much as much as the, you know that he's done great things, Slaven Bilic, since he's been at West Ham. But the one, the one mistake he's made is not taking the Europa League seriously. Now, if West Bromwich Albion were in the same position of, as West Ham and, and gifted the opportunity to go and play in Europe, then I would be absolutely devastated if we'd have done what you'd have done. I just don't understand why he played the kids. It was almost well, yeah, an insult I, of a competition. Well, let, me, let me tell you now. Um, I mean, it was, it's a long way, right? I, I don't know if you know, but winning the way we've done on fair play has been disbanded now. You know, it's 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 obsolete. You can't do it. Next year, this year, this season, you'll get a 250 grand or half a million, I can't remember what it is, to give it to charity. You don't get a place anymore. That was the last season. There's a hell of a lot of games, you know, I think um, even Southampton joined about six matches after us. And, you know, when Premier League survival was number one, we didn't know what kind of start we'd have. And you could argue if we'd have put all our good players in, we might not have beaten Arsenal. We might not have beaten Liverpool and all this. We did put some players in. Remember, Sacco started. A lot of the first teamers did. Um, yeah, all right, we did put in Reese Oxford, etc. 
and we did put the kids in for the last game when we were already down because uh, we, we we had the game against Arsenal, and 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 I think he's been proved right because we won that game against Arsenal when he rested them. But it but, was but, a long for, way for, for supporters. Long, long way. For supporters of a football club, I don't want to digress too much. But for supporters of a yeah. football club, you want to see your team be successful and 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 have away days in Europe and see your team come up against and we had that. The, the decent sides in, in, in Europe. We had that. But, Do you know what? We had six games and they were bloody fun. We had six games in Europe. Yeah, but right? and, and, and just, we went it, it just seems to me it it's a wasted opportunity only for you to only for you to now be trying to do well in the Premier League to get the same no, opportunity to, yeah. to go Champions. into Europe again. Champions League, we've got our eyes on. You're next. not going to get into the Champions League. I'll say it now. If you get into the Champions League, <laughs> go on. Then go I'll, say it. I'll, 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 I'm not going to donate a mobile phone to anyone, but no, I, no. I will. Right. I will <laughs> do. I will. I will do some to, sort of hilarious forfeit over the internet. If, feed. <laughs> <laughs> I will do some hilarious forfeit over the internet if on, West Ham managed to get into the top four. On, West Ham will not finish <laughs> to, in the top to four. To Dan's credit iPhones have gone up in price since your uh, <laughs> narrow success in your Shamak bet in whatever, 2013, I suppose that was. It was <laughs> yeah. It's unrealistic to, to get Champions League. Uh, mm. I think I think the... Um, I think Billy the problem is right that there are 38 thing. matches. If it was 19, you would have done it last year. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? On... If we qualify for, just this last thing. If we qualify for Europe properly this year... It's it's at least six or eight less matches until we we would enter so or a higher but, up. But they so. were but they were against they were against teams that you could have just treated as your pre-season if you'd have played. A no, well team. I tell you the only problem with that Dan and I don't want to digress too much is they were they were knocking lumps out of us and and that's the problem when you're playing these lesser teams in the lesser leagues. This is a big game for them. And they just want to knock lumps out of you, and you're going to risk your top players having the lumps knocked out of them. I don't, not before the start of the season. No, that's the I only think problem. It, I think I think if Sam Allardyce would have done what what Billich did during that preseason, you'd have had a, def, a, a completely different opinion. But but there we go. We'll we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. Billich <laughs> uh, uh, could do no wrong. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, now we get to talk about Tottenham, which, yay. Um, hey. 5-1 win uh, at Bournemouth. Didn't look that way after the first minute, having already conceded uh, to a Matt Ritchie goal. Obviously turned around pretty quickly there. Um, there's this guy. He was a one-season wonder. He's probably not even really a footballer. This is Harry Kane. He's just been absolutely awful, you know, despite his hat trick today. Uh Seriously, though, I know a lot of people have been hating on Harry Kane, and it was getting a little tiresome for me to have to keep explaining that his game was too diverse for him to continue struggling the way he had, um, both in his differing skill sets as an overall player, being able to use pace and strength, but also his finishing uh, diversity, which can come from many different routes. As uh, There was an inter- a great interview with Brad Friedel talking about in training, listing all the kinds of things he could do with chips and dipping shots and uh, all kinds of curve and stuff on the ball. So it always seemed like it was uh, not going to be able to sustain this level of, of uh, inaccuracy. So seeing him score three, was one a penalty? Yes. Uh, but the Ericsson ball was just divine. And the, the last one was a rebound. Uh, my hill 
if it counted this way, could have had three assists in this match. Uh, also hitting the ball directly in front of Eric Lamela, who also had a great game. Uh, Moussa Dembele, I honestly watched this match and could not tell you what position he was playing. Uh, it seemed like he was on the wing a lot, but he was also central a lot. We basically just muddle-huddled our way through uh, the match. It was not our best performance, uh, but we've had much better performances where we couldn't find the net. So I think that all balances out all in all. Uh, obviously had... The majority of possession, the majority of shots, the majority of shots on goal, three times as many, nine to three. Uh, and it was just, you know, you could only beat the team in front of you. And then that's what we went out and did. Erickson, as I mentioned, had a great match as well. Easily could have had a goal of his own, went off the inside of the post uh, from quite a ways out, which is always fun to see. Uh, so, yeah, I, I felt a little bit bad for Bournemouth, as I've mentioned many times. The, the injuries that they're facing, you wouldn't wish on anyone. Um, and so having to lose four of your best players is always rough. Borch made it back just in time for this match, and he had just an absolutely shocking match himself. Didn't keep two out that could have also been goals. It could have been worse. Uh, but, you know, obviously going to regret some of those chances that he let go in, including conceding the penalty, which Kane scored, as I mentioned earlier. I think this is a, a very interesting one as we head into Aston Villa, having to play another, likely, a first manager if they can get somebody in in time. Uh, maybe Harry Redknapp is up for it as they kept showing him at our match for no reason, which just left the fans a lot of time to question why he was even there in the first place. Uh, but no, I, I'm not sure who's going to end up at Aston Villa. Uh, maybe it's, maybe it's going to be Brendan Rodgers. How hilarious would that be? I know Moyes is getting some shouts as he might be on the outside Sociedad, but all in all, not too bad, especially coming off a disappointing uh, loss to Anderlecht midweek. We, we all know the stats for Tottenham coming out of Europa League fixtures is not great, uh, and fortunately we were able to go out and do the business today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, and from there, we will go on to the topic, which we've alluded to a couple times now. Tim Sherwood, officially sacked by Aston Villa. Mourinho continues to dig his hole further. And at both of those clubs, there was starting to be a lot of animosity uh, throughout the fans, through the players. How much impact do you think a manager has on their club's culture? Massive amounts of, of an impact, to be honest. Um, I think that Tim Sherwood believed his own abilities, that w- w- which were, to me, pretty much not existent Drank his own Kool-Aid. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that, that that's, that's the case. I just feel that with Tim Sherwood, 
Um, he's he's almost like one of the lads, and he, he's almost like, you know, everything's going to be fine. I'm Tim Sherwood, and let's let's get through this. And it's just so much talk and so much words and and no doing. You know, I just don't feel that Aston Villa have progressed in terms of the players they've signed. Tim Sherwood commented um, about the players, all, all of the new signings he got from um, Liga Un, and he was saying how great they were and how how, how it was a great feeder league to the Premier League and how all these players would fit in and do well for Villa. And not only and and since since they've been struggling and not doing so well, Tim Sherwood has got done a massive U-turn and commented on how. He doesn't feel that they've fitted in well, and the Premier League's a much tougher league than Liga earning France. And, and worse that some of them weren't his buys. Yeah, well, that can be disputed, kind of. You know, as if he's winning games, well, he's he never left gonna... Tottenham because when we thought about keeping him, he said he wanted full ownership of transfers, and we just laughed in his face. So it's hard to imagine he went to Aston Villa and that, then exactly. And personally, I just, I just and think he, the blokes... he blamed Tottenham for bringing in eight players and then brought thirteen in himself. I think he's looking for excuses. Um, I was I was actually tweeted um, an, an article from maybe I think it was May last season, um, and he, he's commenting how um, that he doesn't think that Aston Villa should be anywhere near the bottom of the table. On his stewardship, they're going to be fine, and they'll be you know pushing up the table. And it's it's completely ridiculous how a club of Aston Villa's massive size, of course, should be anywhere near the relegation zone. Well, he's been made to eat his words. Basically, no no club is too big to get relegated. And in order to, to be able to be fighting it amongst the best teams in the Premier League, you've got to put the effort in and your players have got to be good enough. The players that they've signed just haven't been good enough. And his his tactics and the way he goes about things, I just I just think he's very naive. He just thinks that these wins are going to come to him and they, and they just simply haven't. Um, it's been also, it's been quite funny to be honest watching Aston Villa's reaction and if if any of you at listening can remember maybe back to last season I made the comment that the Aston Villa fans are all happy now with with Tim Sherwood as the manager saying all these bold things in press conferences and after match interviews and how they loved his attitude and how his fight to win and they're based a whole season ticket campaign around Sherwood's stupid comments right. Ten games into the season, I said it all along, they're going to get a bit fed up with these stupid comments when they're not winning football matches. And they're not winning football matches, they've won once this season. And as much as I don't like to say, Aston Villa are a big club, they're the biggest club in the Midlands. They should be up the table somewhere, they shouldn't be fighting relegation. But to be honest, it's quite funny that they are and I'll just laugh at them as much as I can while they're down there. I think, actually, they made a mistake appointing him. I'm going to say something that's probably not very kind to Sherwood, but I don't see him as a proper Premier League manager. Uh, he was a good number yeah, two. He should have started in the championship. Yeah, he it. just hasn't got the experience. You know, when you, Sam Allardyce, Tony Pulis, you go, yeah, you know what you're getting exactly. They're going to keep us in the Premier League. Sherwood has got no proven, and he believes his own press, as I think Dan was saying. And I blame, as Dan said, you know, Aston Villa were a big club. And I say were a big club. But Randy Lerner has failed to invest in them for some time. And I think it was Tim Sherwood, he could get on the cheap. Uh, uh, you know, we're not, they're not investing as much as they used to in players. And they're on a slide. And you've got to remember, this is the biggest season to stay up in, you know. 
you're going to get 100 million for coming last and who knows for coming first. You know, the new TV deal is next season. No one can afford to get relegated. And yeah, yet Aston Villa are at the bottom of, of the Premier League as we speak today. Um, and I blame Randy Lerner. I think he needs to invest and, and get a, a proper manager in that will build the club back to it, its great heydays and uh, get them to push on. I'm just going to say something about Sam Allardyce. Sam Allardyce didn't want to get back into football this season, okay? He said to Ellis Short, the, the chairman of Sunland, no, I want to do it. And there's two reasons. One, he wanted a little bit of a break, which is fair enough. And two... He didn't want his reputation. His compensation never, package. Uh-oh. He didn't. Well, no, no, no. He's, he, you know, he didn't have any compensation, but he, he, he didn't want his reputation of never being relegated with a club. Now, uh, he rung up. I believe I, I can't go into too many details, but let's say they did their due diligence by talking to one of his previous employers, who said, "Yeah, fine." And the previous employer said, "One thing with Sam Allardyce, money talks." So do you know what? This is the deal, as I've been told by a very reliable source. Sam Allardyce is on four million pound a year at Sunderland, with a two million pound um, survival bonus. If he keeps wow. them up this year, he will bag a six million pound uh, package this year. That's Where does that what, put him? Like, well, that that would put him in the top ten or something. Um, that's what it means to people like Sunderland, you know, teams like Sunderland, to stay in the Premier League next year when everyone else has written them off and said they're relegated. But do you know what? If there's one person to do it with a £6 million package, it's Sam Allardyce. Now, before I move on to Billish, let's move on to um, Jose Mourinho and, you know, him saying he's not going to talk to the press and he's not going to give them any funny headlines, etc. Now, he is one of the best managers, let's be honest. And you have to look at Chelsea and going, who's going to do better? This is just a blip. You know, his players don't hate him. He hasn't lost the dressing room. Chelsea are going through some kind of, you know, it's just not working at the moment. But then again, I say there's some points where I agree with Tim Sherwood should never been made a manager in the first place of, um, of Aston Villa. Jose Mourinho and Chelsea are right for each other. And it's great to have Jose Mourinho. It's so entertaining to have him in the Premier League. Um, so I would stick with Jose Mourinho. And I think more and more teams, as I just said, need to get their manager right and stick by their manager and not go firing them off halfway You know, the season. They need to get it right first time and stick with him. And I think Chelsea would do good by just sticking with him. This will pass. Chelsea will get back to their winning ways and he will sort them out. Um, but it is quite amusing to watch from afar. As for Billage, uh, right, uh, you know, Sam Allardyce did what he was asked, right? He asked, he was asked to get us up and, and he got us promoted at first time of asking. All right, he did it the whole way through the playoffs. He was asked to keep us in the Premier League on a top 10 finish and he did that. Um, first year of asking. Obviously, then we were, uh, what, 13th and 12th the next two years, mid-table obscurity. But we wanted more. We wanted attractive football. We wanted the West Ham way. And and that's what Slavin's brought to us. Do you know what? I Last year, I thought it was a chore to go to some of the games uh, at the bowling ground. And this season, that last season for over 100, what is it, 15 years, 
um, at the bowling ground. It's a joy to watch the games. You know, we're playing on the floor. You know, this old thing that Allardyce said, you know, well, what is the West Ham way? And, you know, that you can't have attractive football. It's all about the results. Now, Bellich has shown you can play attractive football and it can be entertaining. And and he's got it all. Now, we will get blips, as, as Dan said earlier. You know, we're not stupid enough to fin. You know, we're third at the moment. We're not going to finish third or fourth. But do you know what? If there's something goes in our direction... Um, who knows? And I think everybody likes Slaven Village. You know, he talks a lot of sense. I'll be surprised if he doesn't win manager of the month um, um, very soon. I think I think he's up for the September one, unless that's been announced already. Um, but I would imagine he is going to win the Premier League one. And it's a breath of fresh air. Um, but there's one thing our uh, ball do. Even if it went pear-shaped and, and, and he lost six... Um, our chairman has once famously said no Premier League manager at all could ever suffer six defeats in a row. Yeah, doesn't matter who they are, they couldn't. Mm. But our chairman have re- consistently stuck by their manager through a season. They won't sack them at Christmas. They won't sack them mid-season. If they're going to let them go, they let them go at the end of the season. And I think Billage will be given time to build this team and build on and move on. And I think that's why they spent a lot of time getting the recruitment right. All right, he was second or third choice. We did speak to David Moyes, and we did speak to Rafa Benitez, and and they turned them down. And do you know what I say now? Brilliant. Thank God they did. Because I don't think we'd be having the success and the character and the camaraderie we're, we're <laughs> seeing with Slavin Village. And, and, you know, I think it's great. It's the one time where West Ham are united, exactly what it says on the tin. West Ham United, the fans are united, even the press are united, <laughs> and, and other fans are united, you know, because everybody loves, you know, to see someone do over Chelsea or someone to do over Man City, well, except for their own fans. Um, so I, I think long may it, it rain with, with Slavin Bilic, but uh, um, I think he's going to have some some rough games as well. And and it's important to st- the board sticks with him and the and the fans stick with him. As for Aston Villa, they just need to get their, their next appointment needs to be is a really important one because if they, I'll, I'll be honest with you, if they get relegated this season, I don't see them coming up again to the Premier League. Don't say let them let him rot. <laughs> Let them rot in the Championship. Even send them to League One like Sheffield Wednesday and Charlton all did. Back to back relegations. <laughs> yeah, look at Leeds. Look at Leeds as well. Uh, did didn't Wolves do that when they went down as well? They did, yeah. Wolves did, oh. bless them. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> I I definitely uh, am on the manager. Kind of sets the tone for the club. Uh, back when we had AVB, we were pretentious. <laughs> we had Sherwood. We were angry. Uh, and now with uh, Pochettino, this this hardworking team is just. It's beloved genuinely by the fans, and I think that's something that had been missing that you don't really notice as you're losing it. When we had AVB, we had Gareth Bale, obviously loved him. That was when Dembele was still good. He's getting there again now, but he had had a bit of a dip. Uh, you know, Adebayor came into the side and was incredible before starting to struggle himself. Uh, and so we were enjoying the result but not the match which is kind of what Sean was talking about uh, when discussing what was going on with Big Sam 
Uh, and but right now it's not the best Tottenham team we've seen. You know there there is no Luka Modric, there is no Bale, there is no Van der Vaart. The closest thing we have to a flair player like that is Christian Eriksen, but even he works much harder than than Rafa ever did. As much as I love him, uh, both tracking back and and helping everyone around him instead of uh, Van der Vaart tending to. Yes, he got his assists, but <laughs> a lot of those chances he took for himself. So. I, yeah, I think that that hardworking and and homegrown style is something that the Tottenham fans were both calling out for, and now that we've gotten, we very much love. You know, seeing the likes of Della Ali having locked down a place, Eric Dyer, we love so much that we don't care. He's played three positions in the last two years. I mean, if you ask me right now, what's Eric Dyer's best position? I couldn't tell you. He, I, I still think long term he's supposed to be a center back. But he has done well in defensive midfield, and he also played there in Portugal for a little bit. Uh, so it's just a very fun time. You know that they're doing everything for each other. They're doing it for the fans. And Pochettino's uh, convenient both understanding and misunderstanding of English questions is the perfect thing, having just gone from uh, AVB to Sherwood, both of them who spoke a lot. AVB, you know, with tactical speak, uh, Sherwood, which is, yeah, we were right in it. Um, but so when, when Pochettino's asked a difficult question, a lot of times he'll turn to a translator or say he doesn't understand, answers in very cliche things, and that keeps us constantly out of the press and allows us to just play our game. And, and I very much like that, like I said, having come from the previous two. We just show up, try to do our best, and it, it's working at the moment, haven't been defeated since... Match week one against Manchester United when it ended up being an own goal at Sanka. So on a very good run, love the the attitude that Pochettino has instilled in the players. And I think the fans are obviously really uh, uh, connecting with that message. So very exciting times uh, at Tottenham and hopefully we can continue. The schedule gets a little tougher soon. Sean mentioned we play West Ham, also play Arsenal soon. Villa maybe with a new manager. There's some Europa League sprinkled in there as well, which we know obviously <laughs> der- derails our seasons many a time. So hopefully we can continue the way we have been. Sean, you kind of mentioned uh, what Aston Villa should be looking for, which is probably a bigger profile person to make sure they stay up. Obviously a huge financial year. Dan, of those two, Aston Villa or Chelsea, because we, we touched on Mourinho, but and I agree it would be hard to get somebody better in but you can't keep losing to the extent they have. What What do you think Chelsea should be looking for in a manager? Jose Mourinho. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just I, I don't feel that they're going to be able to bring someone in that that's going to know the club as well as 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 he does. Um, the experience that he's got managed at the highest level it's undeniable. The bloke is he's a very talented guy. And I think the, the the most frustrating thing for me is I I don't dislike Chelsea as a football club, you know they, they play some very attractive football. Um, I do like the fact sometimes that that they sort of have that siege mentality and they go and and prove people wrong and win games and and they don't always you know play the beautiful style of football that say an Arsenal does, but they get the job done. And and you know Jose Mourinho. He's, he's very strong-willed and he'll take the pressure off his players. He's the guy for the job. I just do not like currently the way he's taking it to the next level and it's almost as if the entire world is against him and it really isn't the case. Um, I'm not sure 
maybe he's he's losing it slightly, um, and he and he may he maybe he has lost his edge slightly in terms of his his attitude. It just stinks. Why is he not speaking to the press after the game? Why is he going to and crying about every single refereeing decision and then not talking about the ones that go for him? As a as as a football fan, you realise you win some and you lose some and you get some and you don't. That's just how it works. And being a Baggies fan, trust me, I've seen some absolutely awful decisions given against, given against my team over the years against the big sides, and that's the that's usually how it works. Now, if you can't deal with the fact that referees are human beings and they're going to make tough decisions and maybe get it wrong occasionally, then you're in the wrong game. So he does need to change his attitude. But in terms of being the bloke to do the job, if he, you know, if he can get even to you know eighty percent of what he was last season, they're going to be fine, or they're going to be fine this year, and then they can build again for next year. I do think already the title is probably behind them, but top four certainly isn't beyond them. I think they could probably get third or fourth spot um, if if they uh, start booking their ideas up sharpish. Um, does that answer the question? Yeah, absolutely. And you, you uh, said you had something to continue. I with just want to mention one more thing on Aston Villa. Yeah, um, if you look at the players that they've signed during the summer, um, so many of them are risks, and the risks aren't paying off. And I think that's where they've gone wrong. They've spent a lot of money again on players which are not guaranteed to be successful at the club. Um, the amount of signings they've got from France, they've signed Gray, um, Amavi and the wrong AU, of course, because the right AU went to, to uh, Swansea. And they've spent well, 27... Weekend, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> you just picked first... a bad week, but it yes, was his, Andre it was, his... was better. <laughs> yeah, Jordan <laughs> yeah. did score, though, at the week. But to be fair, he's not exactly been a hit so far. And that's £27 million. And those three players that are all risks. And then if you add to that the fact they've signed Vertu, Jesteed, who's a very good player, but unless you're playing balls into the box, he's not going to do anything for you. And of course, they signed Jolie and Lescott from the Baggies. Now, that was always going to be a risk because of his age. And I think he's been probably, he's been absolutely awful for them so far. So much so that the Baggies fans are calling him Agent Lescott, which is quite funny. Um, and if you just compare that with the club I support, obviously because I know my club, um, but if you look at the players that we've signed, they're all proven players that you know are going to come into a club and do a job. Um, Johnny Evans, superb sign at centre-back. You pay a lot of money for him, but you know what you're going to get. He's come from Manchester United. James McLean, he's been in the Premier League before. He's done it. He's, he knows the English game, and he's a 100% work ethic kind of player. Ricky Lambert will come good and score goals. Anders Lindegaard in goal. He's, he's been at Man United for how long? I just feel that Aston Villa have gone and they've tried to do the right thing for them by signing a lot of players that aren't proven in the Premier League. But it's completely black backfiring on them now. And it, it's certainly backfired on on poor poor Tim Sherwood. So, you know... Yeah, I, they I, signed players for the next 10 years in a year when they had to stay up. Yeah, and, and, and that's what I mean. The, the problem is that fitting all those players into a winning team and getting them going straight away when you're coming up against some sides that are really settled in the league, who've got some very established players who know what they're doing week in, week out. It's just a, a big mistake. And the problem is Villa are hitting the reset button once every season and it's just not going to work. It re- will come to a point where they implode and get relegated and hopefully that's going to be this season. <laughs> Sean, final thought? Yeah, final thought, I suppose... It's an old cliche, but there are no easy games in the Premier League. You know, we've got 
a point where the TV money is so big, everybody is spending millions and millions and millions, tens of millions, for that big prize of 100 million for coming last and what it will be something 160 million for, for, for winning it. And therefore, you're never going to be able to guarantee, almost guarantee uh, safety. So your manager's an absolute vital part, a cog of making sure you've got the right, um, you know, players around you, the tactics are right and etc. Because at the end of the day, it might come down to one point or goal difference, etc. And that one substitution or that one tactic, you know, we are seeing a point where, you know, it, it years gone by, you know, managers wouldn't earn anything close to what a player earns. Now with Jose Mourinho, we are seeing that they're earning the big bucks. And I've just told you about Sam Allardyce and what he's on. I think now you're going to say, we can't just, you know, the team picks it. The old cliche, the team picks itself. No, managers make a big difference. Money is so massive now. You, it, they're like the CEO at the head of a, you know, an organization. It's their strategy pushing it forward. And, and we're going to see, I think, um, less and less uh, Premier League clubs take chances on unknowns um, and I'm afraid I include people like Tim Sherwood in on that and, and bring more and more foreign managers in uh, that have operated at the highest level in the in the in the Champions League etc and I'm saying that and, we, and we've taken a chance um, on Slavin Bilic <laughs> who obviously uh, hasn't <laughs> hasn't managed the Premier League and hasn't managed the um, obviously well he has done Champions League football so yeah here you go I'll shut up now <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and obviously an interesting point, especially with kind of Simeone being tipped as the replacement to Mourinho for potentially and Guardiola potentially taking the city job. That would obviously be a very uh, big influx of foreign talent for managers. All right, and from there we will move on to Player Watch, where we're quickly going to discuss a player that impressed us for our clubs this weekend. And since we all won so heavily, if you don't have a player that disappointed, how about a player that performed well against you at the weekend? player that impressed undoubtedly has to be um, Solomon Rondon in scoring his second Premier League goal. Um, there's been a few that are doubting his ability, but like I said earlier, it's, it's really tough to score goals in this league if, if you're not going to be getting the supply. And and that's, you know, we've been struggling to do that of late. Um, so yeah, he will score goals and I'm sure if he'd been playing for, for a team that was a bit more intense on, on going for a win, maybe a Palace or a, even like a Watford or a team that just doesn't sit back for the whole game. <laughs> then, then, yeah, he might have scored a, a few more goals. And he, he's certainly got the ability. If you watch his movement, um, you know, for, for the goal match of the day highlighted, it was, it was a brilliant little bit of movement, shimmied his way around the defence to get the header on target. Um I've got no doubt he's going to score more goals for us. So I'm pleased that he's uh, he's he's made an impact. Just a, a bit of a mention as well for for Stefan Sessegnon and for uh, James McLean. Um, both of them on the wings have played brilliantly the last couple of games. Sessegnon, brilliant talent, but he's worked hard as well. And James McLean, although his end product isn't always the best, he gives 100% every week and he gets in the press for all the wrong reasons. Um it's going to be highlighted again very soon in regards to um, the reason why he doesn't wear a puppy, etc., etc. And I wrote a piece on um, on the Eagles' beak, so please check that out. Um, 
instead of making a judgment on James McLean and, and, and hating on him for not wearing a poppy, please just have a read of that article and, and just it'll, it spells it out for you as to why he doesn't and the reasoning behind that. You don't have to agree with it, but I just think it's, it'd be well worth a read for uh, a Premier League football fan before making too much of a judgment on him. Um, and the player that didn't impress... Um, I can't really name one. But in, in that case, I will say that Nathan Redmond looks like a, a very good player. He has done for a couple of years, and I've got no doubt that he's going to be key to keeping Norwich in the Premier League. Um, I'd like to see him in the around the England squad, to be honest. Um, if you're seeing, seeing players that have a lot less Premier League experience, a lot less football experience, such as Dele Alli at Tottenham, um, breaking through into the England side. I think the players who've shown the ability that he has need to be given a, given the opportunity. You know, I, I don't see the reasoning behind picking Dele Alli. I mean, Kev, of course, you're probably going to put me right with that, but I just feel... Oh, heck better. no, he's 19. Give him a yeah, break. They it, did it just so it, that he wouldn't choose another country. Yeah, and we don't want to be doing that. It's coming too soon for these young players and they need to have experience in the Premier League. I would even argue that before a player's played a full season in the Premier League, he shouldn't be playing for a national team. Um, but such is the state of the national team now. But, you know, that's a whole new thing. So, yeah, those are, those are my picks for this week. All right, and John, same question. Well, um... There's so many to pick from. Um, I'm going to mention it before I pick my actual one who impressed. But, you know, let's give a hand to James Collins, you know, a veteran centre-back who had another game played out his skin against Chelsea after playing out his skin against uh, Crystal Palace. You know, he's a fourth-choice centre-back. Uh, we wanted to get rid of him in the January, and he said, no, I want to fight for my place. You know, also James uh, Tompkins, Again, third choice centre back uh, had a great game again after the back of a great game against away against Crystal Palace. So these two um, third and fourth choice centre backs are keeping, you know, the two centre backs out at the moment who are recovering from injury. Although Ogbonna came on right at the end to shore things up, Winston Reid's due back, but you know, will, will they get their places back? Because those two are having, you know, as third and fourth choices, amazing. Uh, time in, in the middle of defence. But the person I'm going to choose as impressing the most is Manuel Lanzini. And, uh, you know, he's a complete unknown. Uh, came from a Middle Eastern club on loan. We've got a deal for him to take him on eight million. And no one thought, you know, thought maybe he's a bit like we bought Antonio from uh, Nottingham Forest as a, another one to have a sort of a on standby and, and see how it went. But, you know, he he's he's hit the ground running in the Premier League. Uh, he's got a great bronze with the manager who who's apparently tracked him for many years and wanted him at Belotas. Um, um, and 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 it's it's great to see a youngster. Um, it looks like it'd be a permanent signing, and he had another great game. Uh, runs his socks off as as a lot of them do. You know, Sacco. Uh, they all do, and 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 great to see with so many first, you know, first choice players missing from the Chelsea game, that that you know all those people stand up. But Lanzini was my first choice. As this, well, first of all, I refuse to one. I don't think any Chelsea 
um, player was worthy of, of, of saying they played well. And two, even <laughs> if they did, I wouldn't mention them as our rivalry goes with Chelsea. <laughs> so I, I, I'm forced to pick someone. Little mention for um, for John Terry, who, who did that whole put your hands behind your back, trying to oh. block it with your chest thing instead of making himself big. I think that's, oh. that's, that's, that's really poor, that is. If you, you know, yeah. just, just John try Terry and block the ball. You know, yeah. his dad was a West Ham fan and, yeah. you know, he started at West Ham when he was 15. He gets some stick about his mum, but we won't go on that <laughs> um, and, and her uh, shopping habits. But I'm not going to say any more than that. Google it if you need to. Um, so uh, I've got to go someone who didn't... Pre- it's really harsh and really picky of me to choose uh, the player I'm going to choose. But um, I, I'm sometimes a little disappointed with Carl Jenkinson. Um, and you know he's had he's had a red card this season, uh, and he's cost us a few points, not points, but he's cost us a few goals, where he makes a sloppy mistake, either a pass back or a, he gets dispossessed and and uh, goes too far forward and doesn't track back, um, and and he he made one of those mistakes again. It's me being picky, but he made one of those mistakes on um on saturday and it and lucky enough it didn't cost us you know they um uh costa or whoever got hold of it just just blanked it right over but i i do get concerned and you know we've looked more strong funny enough when james collie uh, james tompkins has been the right back you know maybe he doesn't get forward enough i, I might be in a bit harsh because obviously carl jenkinson has got two goals uh for west ham recently in, in two games, but um, I, I do worry a bit. And also, it does annoy me a bit, if I'm honest, that we've loaned him for a second season and, Ch- uh, and Arsenal have no intention of selling whatsoever. And I almost think that's a waste of time. Why are we developing a player that we, we will never buy? Uh, I'd rather de- be developing our right back. Um, so maybe that's a... It I'm gives not me so a- sure, to be honest with you, no. I, I think that there is a possibility he might be getting a transfer out of Arsenal. If you look at the right-backs that they've got, I don't think he's going to be troubling Bellerin or, or, or even troubling maybe Ch- Chambers maybe in, in the future. Yeah. I think there's a chance you might get him. Well, I'm not sure we want him at the price. You know, they, they've just put him on a mega contract um, money-wise. And I'm, I'm not right sure he's good enough. To you, right? Sorry? Yeah, just before. Yeah, Same thing happened with Victor Moses at Chelsea, by the way. It's an old trick. Um, but, yeah, I just don't know if he's worth the money. You know, they, they value him at um, £12 million. Um, he's on nearly, you know, 45, 50 grand a week. And you think, mm, do you know what? I, I think there's better right-backs out there at that kind of value. You always pay a premium for a, an English right-back, of course. But I don't know. Unless they drop their price, I'm I'm not sure he offers good value at the end of the season. And it will be our last loan. We won't loan him again. So um, it's a shame. But anyway, I've I've, I've it was very pick of me to choose Carl Jenkinson in the first place. So 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 move on. Yeah, for Tottenham, obviously Harry Kane, hat trick hero. Uh, second option, I I think has to go to Christian Eriksen. I, I mentioned it on Thursday, and it continues to be the case that when he's out injured. You know, we find a way to to continue playing somewhat well. Della Ali, uh, as both a, a pacey player and also with a, an eye for for a pass, you know, you, you see your team playing somewhat well without a, a key player, and you start thinking, 
oh, maybe we could do this without them. But but Erickson, ever since he's come back into the side, is it's just a, a strange thing. Just wondering what he's doing at Tottenham sometimes. Uh, not not to piss off all the Tottenham fans, but he is just so class. Uh, and when it's his day, it's just absolutely amazing. And a couple inches away from another assist, a couple inches away from a goal. He's just a phenomenal, phenomenal player, and, and I'm very glad that he is at Tottenham. Uh, very hard to pick a player that disappointed uh, in a 5-1 win. Probably Danny Rose, though. I hyped him up a little bit, both in fantasy and real life, uh, thinking that now that he'd won the job from Ben Davis, he'd do very well. Uh, a little responsible for the first goal. Didn't really have the match we were hoping getting forward. Wasn't really sending in as many dangerous crosses as he had previously. So uh, a little harsh, but uh, only because of how much I hyped him did his average performance seem underperforming to me. Uh, and we're going to pretend underperforming is a word, and with that, we are out of time. So if you have any projects you'd like to plug or want to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time. Yeah, cheers for listening. I've been, uh, well, I used to be Dan from BaggiesFacts.com, and I'm not no more, so... Um, you can check out my writings um, on Jay, the Crystal Palace contributors website, the Eagles Beak. I do a Premier League feature which looks at the whole Premier League weekend and that comes out on Mondays or Tuesdays depending on um, if there's a Monday night game or not. So you can check that out, that's every week. Um, and that's, that's it for now. Well, thanks for listening. I'm a happy hammer called Sean Whetstone. Uh, as I say, I, I carry on blogging on the West Ham till I die, Clarence Hugh. Um, doing the podcast with many hammers and past, present directors that we can talk to on more than just a podcast, which is a, a West Ham podcast that you can you can find on iTunes. Um, and I've got a few projects. I'm regularly talking on Talk Sport um, on the Sports Bar. Um, you will hear my dulcet tones. And I'm about to appear on a new program on London Live, which is only in London, with Jimmy Bullard uh, about football. So uh, look out for me appearing. If you're in the UK, uh, you're in London, uh, and you, you have a TV program called London Live. One Friday evening soon, you'll be seeing me appear on London Live. So that, that's what I'm up to. Thanks for listening. Yeah, and as always, I am your host, Kevin DeVries, at Kevroth on Twitter. You can find my writings on blog.playtago.com and theeaglesbeak.com and on the FPL Roundtable, uh, which comes out Thursday mornings. So yeah, thanks so much to you guys for joining us. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. 
No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.